Hello and welcome to the Wellington Halton Hills Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. In this series, we're profiling the people running in the riding of Wellington Halton Hills, which basically surrounds Guelph and has a very unique and different culture from our political field here in the Royal City. And on this edition of the podcast, we're going to talk to consensus party candidate Ron Padava. So just what in the Sam Hill is the consensus party? Well, let's read the following from the About page on their website. Quote, Consensus Ontario was founded in 2016 to solve the conundrum voters are confronted with. How do we vote for someone as MPP and still get our local writings, wants and needs paid attention to in a party-based political system? The short answer is that only the removal of all political parties will solve the poor representation individual writings and, in fact, the entire province suffers under. Yes, you heard that right. They want to get rid of all political parties. And yes, they do understand the irony of forming a political party to get rid of political parties. The exact mechanics of how government will work without political parties, I will leave that to Ron Padava to explain. But his party took those ideas for a test spin in 2018 with 10 candidates across Ontario. And as Consensus proudly states, they finished ninth out of 28 parties in terms of popular support. They have 18 candidates in this election, so they must be on to something because if there's one thing that the vast majority of us can agree on, no matter your political stripes, it's that it doesn't always feel like the government's out for our best interests. We bemoan partisan politics and the way they divide us, and how it sometimes feels like our representatives are putting party loyalty over community. So to a lot of people, it might make sense just to get rid of it. One of those people that's been looking for a better way, politically speaking, is Ron Patava. He's a retired businessman who's held management roles with CIBC, Rogers Communications, and Manulife. And when he's not pursuing his continued education at York University, he can be found playing some hockey or doing some curling. He's also concerned about top-down leadership styles in politics. He was one of the first executive team members of the Wellington Halton Hills ADA of the People's Party, but he ended up being turned off by the way Maxime Bernier became the center of that party. He wanted something more flexible, more grassroots, definitely something outside the box, and now he is running on all of that. Batava will join us on this week's edition of the Wellington Halton Hills Politicast to talk about why the consensus party made sense to him, how a consensus government would work, and why it doesn't sound as chaotic as you might think. We will also talk about how a consensus government would approach new issues and concerns, the success of other consensus governments elsewhere in the world, and his electoral odds in Wellington Halton Hills against firmly entrenched incumbent Ted or not. And finally, we will talk about the issues that matter to Patava, why housing is a good example of an issue that needs fresh thinking from the government, and why supporting municipalities and strengthening local democracy is the other important part of the consensus party's platform. A lot of peas. So I caught up with Ron Patava earlier this week via Zoom. Okay, Ron Patava, thank you so much for joining me today. A pleasure being here. So to make to kind of make this as simple as possible, the consensus party, essentially you are a political party running with the intention of making partisan politics in Ontario irrelevant. That's correct. So we're 
it's a bit of an oxymoron, but we're actually looking uh, to uh, eliminate the political parties um, uh, in Ontario uh, and, and looking and just to continue that forward. Uh, the initial uh, blush when people hear about eliminate political parties is it's not a good thing. But if we it, if you look at how we run politics uh, at the municipal or local level, there are no political parties. And if you look uh, to our northern territories, Northwest Territories and Nunavut, they actually run what is known as consensus government. government. And the difference uh, with consensus government, it's, it's the platform is quite simple. Uh, on the first day of the legislation, all the independent MPPs or MLAs in the north uh, would elect a speaker, which is what we do in Ontario. Matter of fact, the local member of provincial parliament here, Ted Arnett, is served as the speaker of the house, an independent voice in the, in the last uh, sitting of the house. But they, they would, uh, individuals would, would nominate themselves as a premier and there would be a vote among all MPPs uh, and the individuals would nominate themselves as cabinet ministers and it'd be a vote to choose the cabinet minister as well. So the premier and the cabinet ministers are actually elected by the individual members of the, of the house. Uh, and what you have as well, Nunavut's a good example, uh, they believe there's one premier and six uh, cabinet ministers, a total of seven, but there are 12 MPPs sitting outside of the government and they form the low, loyal opposition and it is a perpetual minority government. Mm -hmm. uh, people have, uh, there are pros and cons of minority government, I don't want to get into that, but there's a chance that uh, the, that's not so much the government could fall, but even the premier or cabinet ministers can be removed from, from office during the sitting legislation. So it, it's, it's a very powerful concept, but again, you have to, to get people's heads around it is difficult because the first blush is no parties. So partyless politics, and kind of the tagline where democracy, democracy represents you in the sense that the MPP does not take direction from a party leader or a party strategist or a party pollsters or a central party office. Um, in the current situation today, if they don't follow the party line, they're expelled from caucus and sit as an independent, which had nothing really to do with why they were elected. Right. Uh, they were elected right. to serve their constituents or the citizens in their in their riding. Um, and really, that should be their first priority. Not, and that's where they should take the direction from, not the uh, party leader. I appreciate the point of view that, you know, partisan politics can be sort of disruptive and, and destructive in, in a way because some elected representatives can be dedicated to the party more than governing. Um, and we certainly see that in certain countries we can name to the south of us. But um, at the same time, you know, parties do provide a, an important organizing principle, especially around issues. Uh, different parties feel about different issues in, in different ways. They have different policies to address them. And speaking as someone who covers local politics, I get a lot of people who come up to me and go, well, who, who's like left in city council? Who's right? And it's like, you know, sometimes you have to say to them, well, depending on what day and what issue it is, but, but people enjoy these sort of like broad sort of organizing principles, I guess, to understand where their government's coming from. So that's, that seems like a bit of a difficult, you're basically proposing we change the way we think about government in a pretty radical way, right? Again, I go back, uh, I, I'm going to push back a, a somewhat on that. Sure. Uh, there's, there's two things. Well, first of all, politics today, if, even if you took a look at the conservative uh, leadership debate last night, it's divisive politics. They're, they're just, they're attacking each other mm. on, on, on issues or past experiences at a leader 
perspective. We're almost at a, a cult of leader, if you want, for lack of a better word, right? I hear constantly what Doug Ford did this. Doug Ford, <laughs> he's the head of a government, a massive bureaucracy. He doesn't have any personal interest. And even the attack odds, he's he's there to enrich his his uh, conservative buddies as, mm. as if he's got people sitting around in his in his home talking about what, how he's going to get them rich. So the, the nature of party politics, right, of partisan politics is to attack the other, is to make the other one look bad. I'm actually, when I watched the election, as a brief shout out to uh, Scott uh, Atkinson, um, one of the candidates, he's saying, let's bring the party together. And that's what a consensus group is. Let's bring us together under a consensus type of approach. Uh, now at the local level, uh, so getting, so the second point, getting to the conversation around issues, people are looking for issues to gather behind our policies. Cause that's the nature of, of, of the human condition. We're competitive, right? This is our team. Let's get on our team. Let's attack the other guy. But I view all members elected to parliament as part of one team serving the citizens. And there are issues around the traditional kind of left-right uh, dichotomy around uh, that, that come out to place. But I, my viewpoint is, look, we're all in the end go back to the center, right? Mm. We, we recognize mm. there are things here that, that we need. And who better? And that one of our principles uh, of, the, uh, uh, of, of the consensus Ontario, and I will say an association, I want to talk a little about the party aspect after, but the sure. association <clears throat> is to strengthen municipalities in their ability to deliver local services because the things we care about are delivered traditionally or uh, at the local level, health, education, our infrastructure, our recreation services. These are at the local level and the ability we have to contact our local council or go to uh, the town hall, that is a more democratic approach. Whereas most of us are reluctant to actually go to Queens park Mm -hmm. uh, and protest or, or, or move to that kind of, uh, and never mind going to Ottawa. Uh, and if you look back historically in Canada, it was built in the, our constitution, 1867, the founding of our country. Uh, you basically, the federal power got, the federal government got uh, all the powers, kind of dele delegated some to the provinces and cities didn't exist because we were predominantly a, a rural uh, country. Well, now, you know, 150, 130 years odd later, uh, 50 years later, sorry, um, we're predominantly cities. That's where all the stuff happens. But we're still running in a, in a, a parliament or type of government that has ex existed. And initially, up until the turn of the 20th century, uh, there were a significant number of independent members of parliament. And they were eventually corralled into the, uh, into the party uh, system. So the party provides that direction for individuals, but I would argue in today's age with, a, with this thing that called the internet, that people can learn about individuals and, and, and access information if they choose to take the time to, of course, right? So it's a really, behind consensus, Ontario is a real sense of democracy and moving a de-evolution or decentralizations of powers down to the municipal level and indeed to the, to the constituent or citizen themselves. I think people get all that in principle. Um, I, I wonder how it will work in the practicality because you have the thing that parties provide party with the most seats forms government. They have a, an agenda. They had their, you know, their, their campaign book and, and what have you. Are we not inviting perhaps a bit more chaos in our government structure when you have 124 different people with 124 different policy directions and, Speaking as a reporter, I, 
you know, that would kind of make things like debates kind of harder to follow. Um, is this not courting chaos, I guess, is the question. And is that not a concern? So I, I go back to my uh, original, if you, you can go look at uh, consensus government as a practice in uh, Nunavik and Northwest Territories, now significantly smaller populations, but they have all the recordings of going on. It's very kajijal because you have to really build relationships. Mm. Because if you're someone who aspires to be a premier or a cabinet minister, and typically it's based on someone's experience, but more or less their conduct in the house, and they built relationships and 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 really they have to learn to to work together. Uh, but also, it's uh, there are no party politics in the state of Nebraska. Mm. Uh, they literally don't. now some people um, say at a, at a federal level or they might declare themselves a Republican or Democrat, but they actually do not. Uh, have any party you can, actually no there's no signs you don't have any political signs on the ballot it's strictly your name and not affiliation with the party um, and uh, so it does run it does work in Nunavut and it does to some extent work at a local level decisions are made by councillors and the mayor the mayor is elected um, but I would I would argue that principles are there and I don't know if it would invite chaos now you'll always get an MPP who perhaps is out for themselves um, but if they're out for the constituents and Ontarians all share the same idea in the sense of what is right, uh, they have similar concerns. There, there might be some divide on rural versus urban, uh, but increasingly, I think, less so. Um, and I think we all have the same interests, right, around Ontario. And really, government should be around customer service, customer experience. For us as citizens, customer experience. So would it invite chaos? I haven't seen that. Um, now, Ontario is significantly larger than the state of Nebraska, which is 2 million people, right? <laughs> but, uh, but the principles are the same. It's a, it is a mind shift, a set, a, a change in culture. And you almost kind of sort of, if, when, if, when I've gone door to door and I talk, talk to people, they kind of do the, they kind of, you know, oh, okay. And they kind of lean back and they're, they're thinking about it. Because to your earlier point, in principle, it makes sense. Um, but um, I like to think that... Uh, uh, Ontarians can be the first in the world to to put together such a, a consensus government on a large scale. Even the even the sense of consensus of working across party lines, we saw that during COVID. Mm. I mean, there was the initial uh, sniping here and there uh, from the official opposition and the other other parties, um, but we had to get along. There was a crisis; we didn't know how to handle it. Like like let's 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 put that stuff aside. And yes, mistakes were made. But people try to their best ability. And I think in a consensus type feeling, uh, people would, 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 would be above what I would call petty party politics. I mean, you make a good point there. And maybe there's uh, a thin line between chaos and consensus, um, especially if there's a crisis. I am curious, though, again, looking at the practicality. Um, first, would the, you know, when you're talking about the electing in the individuals to cabinet positions. So are we talking about like set cabinet portfolios in every government? And if that is the case, what happens if, you know, you want to create a new cabinet portfolio? What's like the, the process for that? So in, in the Nunavut example, um, they basically, people nominate themselves to be a cabinet, to be a cabinet minister. The premier does put them in their portfolios, mm -hmm. right? So there is some power in the premier, but again, no different than the leader today puts them in the cabinet, whatever the individuals. Um, but in this case, those cabinet ministers are actually elected by all MPPs. Um, uh, now, in terms of adding another portfolio, 
Uh, I haven't come across that, that specific question. Um, what they tend to do is uh, add responsibilities. So mm-hmm. you'd have Minister of Finance and Social Development or I don't know, something like that, or, or Economic Affairs. Here in Ontario, because the party politics system says, I am a member of this party and I want to, I have to toe the party line. I have to follow that. I want to be a good soldier, for lack of a better word. So someday the premier will pick me to be mm. a cabinet. So they are really uh, currying favor with the leadership role around that. Where in the consensus government, you're building your credibility with all members of parliament and the public. So when you nominate, your, and there's several people who nominate themselves, they, I want to be a cabinet minister, they could have a, a number of people to do that. Uh, and they may get elected or they may not. But you have to really get along. So the, 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 the kind of perspective is it's significantly different in that sense. A good example is the Speaker of the House. Ted Arnett is the Speaker of the House. He has to be um, a non, uh, nonpartisan, right? He has to, and I'm just saying, why, why we have one MPP, that's not, why can't everybody be like that, be above party politics and work for the citizens of Ontario? Mm-hmm. So what uh, about all of this appeal to you? Um, you know, you had a, a very good business career uh, for people who may not know your background. Um, but, you know, you are retired. You I, I understand you are a, a student now. So you have gone back to school. But, you know, you are getting involved in politics for um, a, a relatively new party. You know, so you must have been really galvanized. What spoke what spoke to you about the consensus party? Um, well, uh, I'll, I'll be candid. Uh, full disclosure, I did have uh, uh, some political experience. I was a founding member of the People's Party mm-hmm. of Canada, and uh, I actually served as secretary on the EDA. So I got involved. I did some campaigning in the 2019 election, door to door. So I got that experience. So I got the practical experience, kind of a very quick, uh, like being equivalent to being uh, drowned with a fire hose, I guess that expression. So I got the political experience and I was first attract by, attracted to uh, Maxine Bernier's comment around doing politics differently. I very uh, soon after the election, I've, and there was some excitement around people and I actually worked with a, a friend of mine here uh, who ran um, and ran again in the, in the subsequent election. But I was intrigued by the, the concept of doing politics differently. Mm-hmm. And what I found was the People's Party and, and, and uh, was they were following the traditional party politics um, uh, practice in the sense of they had a leader, uh, he was given a salary, he was not in parliament, they had a central staff, they created, a, um, again, a series of uh, regional coordinators who were following traditional uh, party politics. Um, and, and one of the things that, that would be maybe interesting to your listeners is an MPP, when they're elected, they get what's called a constituency budget. And they, they set up their office and they have an individual come in. Uh, they hire staff and you can go visit. It. And, and again, if they change and if they're uh, voted out, then you have a new one office. One of the kind of practices that a consensus government can do is actually have a permanent constituency office. In other words, this in, so any any individual could come in there and run as an independent and have all the support of a constituency office, or both before the election, right, and after. So we're trying to create some sort of permanence here in the structure. So so individuals who want who are interested in left versus right or philosophies, right, 
Uh, again, the MPP should follow the, uh, what I was in a democratic process, the majority of votes. So in other words, after an election, the first thing they do with this constituency budget uh, is go out and poll uh, their constituents. What are your issues? What are your concerns? And polling is quite scientific now. You see things 19 out of 20 plus or minus 4.4%. Uh, go out and then take those issues to uh, the House Department. And I would, I would contend that everybody would do the same thing. We'd come across with a lot of common issues, right? Um, and, and from there, that, that ability increases, I, I would say, speaks to the practicality of the issue right, around that. What you're talking oh, yeah, about is yeah, that yeah. you, you, you as a person are hungry for a, a new type of, of governing. And you've, you know, you, you tried the PPC and found it for just me interpreting what you said very much, very similar despite promises to do politics differently. Um, and I, sorry, I want to interrupt. I was very impressed yeah. with uh, Jody Rayson Robolt, Jody Wilson Raybolt, who ran as an independent and won. Yeah. Here was a terrific, uh, a person who has served the public and because of party politics, because she stood up to the leader um, of the party, uh, par of the party, Justin Trudeau, she was booted from cabinet and expelled from the caucus. Now, uh, again, it doesn't make sense, but that's what party politics does. So I was attracted to a different way of doing things. Uh, and I think I would, I would contend um, that it is a better way. We just, as citizens, we have to get our mindset around this this change because it is a change, right? Conceptually, but I go back. All we're doing differently is electing a premier and electing cabinet ministers. That's the change. It's not a massive fundamental shift. You know, we can say that, but Jody Wilson-Raybould was the exception, not the rule, where people voted for her. Did not vote for her because she was a liberal representative in her riding. Um, and I think a lot of people, and the reason why I. I was starting with that question is, you know, you were looking for a different way to do politics. I think there are a lot of people in Ontario. I mean, voter turnout is 60 percent. So 40 percent of people aren't getting involved. A lot of them are likely because they, they don't like politics or feel like politics is above them or, or whatever. But how do you break that spell? How do you break that? that idea that you can make a difference uh, voting or not taking part in the party system. How do we get more people, I guess, like you in, in, in to participate and, and in, like to achieve some of the goals you're talking about? Well, again, voter turnout is a problem that's existed before consensus Ontario. Uh, I, I would uh, put forth that part of the, part of the uh, problem is, is the comment. Uh, they're all the same. Right. Or I, I really can't tell the difference between either party. They, they seem to be saying the same things. Uh, so I think part of what's happened with party politics has led to that voter apathy, uh, because especially a young person. Right. Because I attend university, I am traditionally the oldest person in the class. Uh, I haven't found a bit older than me. Uh, and, and there's this apathy. Well, they're all the same. Why should I why should I go out? So my, my feeling is that that apathy could be turned around by uh, that sense of, okay, this is something different. Um, now, in our political system of, of voter apathy, that's something I'm hoping with the internet that people start to understand with, uh, uh, as, as we go forward, people start to take an interest. 
and, and affects their lives. But historically, it's been a challenge. Other other uh, countries have actually mandated uh, uh, that you have to vote uh, mm-hmm. in an election uh, by law, and I did. They, I believe they do it in Australia. And if you don't vote, you have to pay a fine to your favorite charity, as an example. Um, that hasn't come across here in uh, in Canada and Ontario. It has its pros and cons, but that's one way that I've seen around the, the elsewhere in the world that they've they've gotten around the. the voter turnout. I would even say at the municipal level, it's even worse, right? Mm-hmm. Historically, right? Um, and that's where you really should be concerned, right? <laughs> at the municipal level, right? So um, uh, one of the uh, the other, or I've noticed is uh, one of the uh, great cities of, uh, of the world, Vienna, they actually are both a city and uh, the equivalent of a, of a province or state within Austria. Right. And they were, they were voted the best city to live, to, uh, to live in. Um, for all the experiences of being a citizen in that, right? So my perspective is it's it's there in chunks, but uh, getting back to the initial uh, perspective, and I do apologize, I'm an extrovert, so I tend to go on. Um, <laughs> but the the uh, where my approach here as party president, I mean, this is considered, Wellington Halton Hills is considered a safe seat in mm. the terms of, and our, our part of our strategy was to look at I'll share this with you, right? Because we're in the election now. Is to look at those seats where there's a three-way split or mm. four-way split, so we could gather some interest, right? Um, but I'm looking to improve the brand of Consensus Ontario and Consensus Government, um, and get awareness out there. Uh, I may not be elected on June 2nd, right? Uh, but down the road, I believe a Consensus candidate would do much better than me. And we will build the brand over a number of years, uh, or a number of elections, right? Uh, and doing politics differently, people said, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'll try, right? Uh, you know, take a look at these guys, right? Um, and uh, our hope is in the next uh, sitting of legislation, if, if, a MP, if a member of consensus is not elected, that if there ever comes a point where someone is expelled from caucus, we would more than be happy for them to join, because uh, we are a political party, uh, we're more than happy for them to be our first sitting MPP in the legislation. So if there's some individuals that want to leave and join a consensus Ontario, then uh, there's that opportunity. The reason I, I mentioned party, because uh, again, it sounds on the surface an oxymoron where we're, we're running as a party, is elections Ontario, the way it works here, if you run as an independent and you're able to uh, gather political contributions, at the end of your campaign, if you have a surplus, that actually goes back to Elections Ontario. Mm. Um, and uh, if you're a political party, it actually goes to um, the, uh, the party itself. And of course, in a consensus government, there are no taxpayer subsidies for every vote you get. So the, the, the tens of millions of dollars that are spent, I think it was 13 million in the last thing that, that the Conservatives and the Liberals and the, and the Greens and NDP got, we wouldn't spend that money on, on parties because there would be no political parties. <laughs> I do want to get into some issues before our, our time is out. Okay. And you, you, do, you did mention one in particular, and it's kind of like the issue aside from consensus government, um, which is giving more power to municipalities. And again, I, since I predominantly cover uh, my local government here, um, it's something I've been sort of preoccupied with is just how limiting municipal power is. However, um, you won't find 
giving municipalities more power to be like a plank in any of the major party candidates. A couple of the, the smaller parties will put this forward, including consensus. But why is that so important? Why is it so important to strengthen um, the, the, the powers and abilities of municipal governments? So, so I'm not sure. So why it's important because that's where um, um, uh, our services are provided. Right. And, and it, it, there's powers are provided at certain levels. The federal government, absolutely. Military, defense, courts, right. Uh, and, and a law and, and, and justice. Absolutely. At a federal level, you need that. Right. But so but getting to your earlier point, uh, the provincial government, if you are the deputy minister or the minister of a large of health and education or health, which is you know in the billions. Right. Uh, I think health is the largest 30 billion and, and education's uh, 24 billion. And you're the minister or party responsible for that. That is a question of power. Right. And people are politicians are reluctant to give away power. <laughs> Most individuals are reluctant to give away power and all the perks and prestige that come with that comes with it. There is no interest in moving power down to uh, the municipal level. But it, again, uh, Switzerland is a good example. Um, the powers at the cantons or provincial type level, they have 22 um, and they're various sizes. The taxes are collected there and then remitted to the um, uh, federal government. And then they get 15%. Uh, of the of the tax revenues uh, and they alternate the uh, whoever the, the president is they actually alternate as a small cabinet and they alternate the the um, the role based on they have a, a, a political parties there um, in, in Switzerland but the point I, I'm making is who would give up power right, right. Uh, and there's there and and, and if, uh, a, a provincial um, uh, someone who's uh, again behind the provincial party pot prospect would say, Oh no! Though they they don't have the skill sets uh, to manage uh, these very complicated uh, technical things, and and they would go on and they right, or, or they if they really they'd say, well, you've got a lot of corruption down there, and we really can watch ourselves because we're accountable. No, that's just that's just someone hanging on to power. There are very capable people here running the chief administrative office of, of the town of Helton Hills and other townships. They do their best. They're close to the customer. Uh, the, uh, slash uh, citizen, um, but per, to your point, party politics is about power, and just as the federal and provincial governments go back and forth about powers, division of powers, with the federal government getting into clearly jurisdictions that belong to province and municipalities, um, it won't go away. Now, municipalities are creatures created by the province. So it's within their power, a consensus government to de-evolve or decentralize powers down to the municipalities um, while maintaining some sort of areas where it matters. Obviously, uh, law and order, justice, right? You have to have provincial courts all across the province um, for sure, right? And maintain a certain standard to our health system, maintain a certain standard to our, uh, our education system, right? And help out those municipalities that have some trouble. At some point, uh, with the understanding that those municipalities will come back up to if they're below a standards, and other municipalities can, will be in a position to help them out and, and return the favor. So, I just think a consensus government would do that uh, and get away with some of these power uh, politics scenarios. Mm -hmm. So, I think 
when we're talking about this election, what people are thinking about, they're thinking about affordability, they're thinking about housing. I know that's a big one. Um, and certainly Wellington Halton Hills is not immune to the big rise in housing prices. People are concerned about climate change, transportation. So, I mean, aside from the big change in, in how we run government, um, what issues um, are, are you uh, sort of want to make a priority in this election and and you know when when you talk to people at the doors you know uh what are they telling you is important so this is difficult because some of your colleagues in in journalism have asked me the same kind of questions around issues and uh, bear with me Mm. i don't necessarily want to go on an issue specific issue because there are two sides to a story there are individuals who say, yes, we should do this and know that we, we shouldn't. There are special interest groups and you see them on uh, in, in political advertising, advocating for one government or that one part or the other because it's in their interest to do so. I go back to my earlier comment. Once elected, if it's important to a majority of citizens in the riding that I'm in or the constituency that I'm in, then that's the issue I take forward. Now, obviously, affordability is an issue, housing affordability, right? Uh, I'll be candid. My wife and I moved here nine years ago. Our house has tripled in price. I'm not that smart of a guy, right, <laughs> to be quite candid. It's nothing that I did. It right. was the market, uh, supply and demand. Uh, I and 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 I, I understand there is a uh, there is a shortage of housing. Um, um, I have two grown children that are out of the house, uh, and they're they fortunately are in their, their place. They're in their residences. Um, uh, but they started in condominiums and they're, they're working through, you know, life in a condominium with an aspiration to obviously move to a bigger place. Um, but, uh, if you took affordability as one issue again, and I'm not, I understand, I recognize the, the importance of it. I recognize what I would do, but who's best to deal with it? Probably the local municipality in terms of zoning, in Mm -hmm. terms of uh, permitting for developers, right. Uh, and zone. There are things more high density zoning, depending on if that's what the citizens want. So here's the issue. We want more supply. Well, I don't we don't want more uh, dense zoning. Well, right. The citizens have to make a decision and the MPP takes that forward. And but it really is the municipal government that can can make that change in supply, uh, working with zoning and developers. Right. Um not even see it at the federal level. There are you know, handlets or we're going to give you know fifteen thousand grant or thirty thousand. You know they're spending money. Uh, no, on a personal level, I mean spending money that someone as a citizen or ta- a taxpayer has to eventually pay for. So these promises made by politicians before they're elected. Mm. I mean, on the surface of it, um, uh, yeah, I, I I've just taken one. You know that doesn't fly. I've taken one issue. And it could kind of explain my approach to it. Well, it's, it's, it's important to note that housing is not, as, as you said, you know, you, you own your home. It's gone up in value times three, not because of anything you did. Um, but it's a reminder, too, there's kind of, you know, the reason housing has gone up, that there's no one issue behind that. There's, you know, five or six different factors into that. And, you know. I guess, again, this is kind of a whole new way of thinking about politics. It's like you're, you're saying, I don't have the right answer, <laughs> which we, we go to we go to the candidates when they come to their door. It's like, well, what is your answer to issue X or issue Y? Um, 
it's heady, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm having a moment here. <laughs> yeah, but who, who has the right answer? We have a professional right. civil service, very people with their PhDs and in, in various technical aspects, and collectively, those individuals can create the right answer for our scenario. And in, indeed, there, you know, being in the business world, we had a thing called strategy development. Okay, down there, we don't know where we are in ten years, but we got to figure out where we're going to go. Risk management, uh, and and have the, collectively as as a uh, as a population in Ontario, if I can't go to that, we've got to figure out what's what we're going to do. And you look at your own personal life. There's always an expression, well, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I think we will figure it out, right? <laughs> Sometimes it, people procrastinate and they don't want to figure it out. But in your own day-to-day lives, you know, we'll get together with friends or family. There's a problem that affects us and go, okay, we'll figure it out. And and I, I, believe, that, I believe in the human condition. I think we have that ability. Uh, and I think to some extent, party politics has tainted or taken away and party politics is associated with power, with corruption. I'm an optimistic kind of guy, right? I, I think you know, if, we, if we believe in people and get their input, everybody's input's important, right? And some people need to understand, okay, what are the what are the uh, pros and cons of any issue or, or or scenario? And I think that's that's what government should be doing, right? It's a professional government. There are people who are longtime civil servants. They do want to make life better for Ontarians, and I think we should recognize that. Uh, all, all, all uh, members of the government at all at all levels, right? So, again, we have to kind of work through it. It's not an easy nut to crack. It's a complex, difficult world. Um, but I, again, I'm, I hate to be on the consensus soapbox, but I believe this is a consensus discussion or forum. Even I'm going to an all candidates meeting tomorrow in Wellington Halton Hills, and I'm going to meet the other individuals, and I'm going to be quite quite frank about why I'm there and what consensus government's all about. Well, I'm glad they invited you because there have been more than a few uh, all candidates meetings here in Guelph where it's been the four major major party candidates. And uh, we we do have three other candidates from smaller parties who are running. Um, so I, I always uh, I always personally feel it's important to hear from all the candidates at all candidates events. Um, but I'm afraid uh, I have to uh, wrap it up for for our conversation, Ron. Right. And I hope I hope people don't take this as an endorsement of you or the party. But um, I spent a good hour on the Consensus Party website looking over all the materials, and I it, there's some fascinating ideas there. I hope people don't discount because you're not one of the major party candidates. I hope I really hope people check out you and your party. So, thank you for endorsement. <laughs> I said it was not an endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. And I'll and I'll fairness, thank you for your interest and in taking the time to speak with me. I have enjoyed our conversation today. Me too. Ron uh Ron Pavada, thank you so much. Take care. And once again, that was Ron Patava. To learn more about the Consensus Party, you can visit their website at Consensus Ontario, C-O-N-S-E-N-S-U-S Ontario.ca. Election Day is June 2nd, and stay tuned for future editions of the Wellington Halton Hills Politicast, which will be posted here every Saturday in May as candidates are available. And for the Guelph candidates, you can tune in to Open Sources Guelph every Thursday at 5 p.m., or you can download the podcast version on Monday. And that is it for this edition of the Wellington Halton Hills Politicast. The music for the Wellington Halton Hills Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, out of the University of Guelph. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, 
you will get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me personally at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, and you can send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And for all the latest local election news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where there will be a new episode of the Wellington Halt Nils Politicast for you next week. And until then, see you next time. <laughs>